3: A lot of times we greet one another, we say, what's up, King? I- I'm sure you've been hearing that your whole life. <laughs> a King in more ways than one. Marquette no. King, uh, former NFL All-Pro punter, uh, XFL champion. Congratulations, Marquette King. Uh, chop, top, chop, chart-topping, I beg your pardon, artist, Marquette King. All-around renaissance, man. Just renaissance, man. You got so much going on, man. It's good to finally get a chance to chop it up with you. It's been too long. Um I just want to start with with this moment now, uh, just where you are, uh, what you got going on and just where you are mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally at, at age
4: 34. Man, I'm, I feel like I'm in a really good place. Uh, it's so it's it's interesting because the journey I've been through, especially with football. I mean, I, I was at a high point and then I ended up hitting a really low point and then um it just got to a point in life to where it was like, man, you know what? You just got to turn uh lemons into lemonade. And uh, if you don't find it out, you end up, I would end up like a lot of people that I've seen in the past where they just can't get out of, of, of the slump. And um, because ultimately, nobody wants better than yourself. You know, like you, you can complain to as many people as you want about things not going right. But uh, honestly, a lot of people do something. A majority of people do get joy out of listening to people kind of struggling things not going right so you got to kick yourself in the in the butt and keep moving but i'm in a really good place man um still learning uh everybody's still learning and just trying to continue being the best version of myself
3: i can be what are you still learning man just how
4: to how to deal with people sometimes dealing with people uh dealing with certain situations uh just uh, just handling business, uh, especially in the music world, I've had people take advantage of me uh, when it came to financial status, um, it, and it doesn't feel good. So, like,
0: hmm.
4: I don't know, I've learned some really expensive lessons, but I mean, I'm still in a good place. Just gotta handle things a little yeah. different.
3: Yeah, I uh, I was just listening to some of your joints, man. Like, I, I like your sound. How, how would you describe it? How would you describe your sound you, you, as an artist?
4: Yeah, uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's a mixture between pop, hip hop and EDM. Um, I'm a huge fan of those genres of music a lot. Um, listen to them a lot. But I, I think it, it, I bounce between that genre. Like when I was coming up with my style of music, I was like, you know what? It's cool to listen to hip hop for this amount of time. Then it's cool to listen to this amount of pop for this amount of time, and then this amount of EDM. Because if you listen to the same genre for a long time, it' get boring so I like kind of bouncing around a little bit and
3: uh yeah and I saw this would have been on August 14th uh I believe it was you performed uh Charles Woodson had an event for his whiskey and you, yeah. and you and you performed for like what was that like man you guys <laughs> i I knew you had stage presence because you are the most swagged out punter in NFL history uh but what was what was that performance like and what kind of performer would you describe Marquette King as?
4: Man, I'm, I feel like I'm just an entertainer. I'm a showman, man. I like to, I like to make people smile. Uh, I had a lot of fun getting a chance to see Seawood Wood for a little while. Got to see Crabtree for a little bit. That was fun, man. Um, and it's always good to see people that you play on the same team with just thrive and do other things uh, besides just football because it's, we're bigger than just that one sport. And a lot of people don't realize that, but when you talk to them and see what else they got going on, especially with his whiskey and everything, that's super cool. He has his own bar in the stadium and everything. He gave me a yeah. test uh, the day before and the next day. So it was it was some really good whiskey, though. But it was fun. I got a chance to see all the older Raider fans that I saw when I was playing there, and it, it felt like home.
3: I mean, life be life, and my life is all so good, man. I remember back in May, uh, I think it was when I first reached back out to you because it had been a while since we talked, and I saw your yeah. tweet where you won – uh the XFL championship with the Arlington Renegades and you had uh one of your songs top uh, reached the top 200 uh as an independent artist and an artist excuse me and over 100 uh Shazam's in one week so yeah. you know and this was sweet tea by the way which I like that joint so um Great. you know football is going well in the XFL uh your music career uh is going well what did that mean for the rock to shout you out on Twitter uh, when you cited those two things,
4: that was tight. that was one of the coolest moments of all time. Uh, the fact that he took the time to listen to something that I've created out of art. Um, is that's a good feeling when you create something just like your shows and stuff, like I've always been a fan. Mm-hmm. and uh, and it's cool to see you do your, do your thing, do your own thing, what you got going on appreciate because when you see, yeah, when you see people that appreciate what you do and they take time to go check out something that you created. That's a good feeling. It's, it's a way better feeling, I'll tell you this, than somebody approaching me telling me that uh, oh, you're one of the best parts to ever play the game. That's cool, and I'm thankful for it. At the same time, that was created before I came here. you know. And to create a song and for somebody to say that they actually like it and they take time to listen mm-hmm. to it, that, you get a different kind of appreciation for it.
3: Because hmm. on your website, this line jumped out to me. It said, a different player in the entertainment game Marquette King's long time spent on the football field introduced him to need of expression and release through songwriting, acting, and sound. I'm like, I need to unpack that. So, how how does your football <laughs> career influence and contribute uh, to your art? Well, also
4: it, being a punter, you kind of like 15 yards away from everybody else, so you kind of on your own a little bit anyway. But um. Being around the crowd made it a lot more easier playing playing in big stadiums with thousands of people in there. That helped out a lot. But um I feel like to a certain extent, especially playing in the NFL, like I was able to express myself, but like it was almost like uh I kinda couldn't. To a certain extent, I had to kinda act a certain type of way. And um so I kinda started looking to music to uh to just let the rest of that out. Since I gotta kinda, you know. Be a toy soldier. What do you mean? Just like I don't know, like I I've had coaches in the past, kind of like oh you gotta have composure and poise. I just kick the ball, do this, do that. And it's like all right, cool, I'll do that. But then I don't know, like go to the studio and start creating stuff, and just I don't know, just letting out how you feel because I'm I don't know, I'm just a happy person. I like I like enjoying life and having fun, and um, yeah, once. Once football started getting to a point where it started I felt like it was getting taken away from me uh, That's when I started turning more into music and the music helped out with all that
3: Because I saw you know, I love following you on Instagram along with a million other people yeah. <laughs> Just to point that out <laughs> um, Back in March you, uh, you you posted about your your, uh, your renegades teammates And you mm-hmm. said your teammates are helping you find your happiness in the game what do you mean yeah. by that?
2: It's a lot of young people out there that
4: that were coming into the XFL, and um, it was cool because I feel like uh, I feel like they just—they're not thinking about the business and how the business of the game works. They're just in there, just pure passion and happiness, just to be around the sport, and. Um, getting a chance to be around that and seeing people that are just genuinely happy to get another opportunity to play football was something that just helped me out a lot as far as like uh because i i still have my days where i'm just kind of like up and down with football because it didn't work out on my terms um and it i don't know it, every once in a while i had those little periods but then i have a young cat running up to me what's up king uh Sometimes it'll be funny because they'll be like, "Man, I remember playing with you on a video game when I was in uh, middle school," and I'm like, "Ugh, made me feel old." But no, <laughs> it's cool to, to get compliments and stuff like that, and just to be around them. And like, even sometimes when some of the young cats have meltdowns on the sideline, I just walk up to them and just kind of give them words of encouragement, let them know, like, "Hey, like, if you're trying to get to the next level, like, I can lead you there a little bit. Like, just, just kind of learn how to play the game, game, you know?"
3: Yeah. And I saw uh, a quote from you when you were with St. Louis. You talked about how the XFL experience it helped you, you know, find your love and passion for the game again. So that I've seen that theme come up a few times for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really want to get into that, and especially this time of year, King, because it's like, you know, you have you've been out of the league since 2018, and I, and we're gonna get into that whole process. But mm-hmm. you know, this time of year, and, I, and when I talked to you this morning, you were working out. You know, and and you're still working out. You're still staying in shape. You're still staying ready. And this time of year, being in training camp, I wonder what it feels like mentally and emotionally to not be in a camp and not be getting ready for the NFL season this time of year.
4: I mean, I've gotten to a place because the, the past couple of years, it's bothered me a lot before, where it's like, man, I know I'm better than a lot of these people that are playing, that are playing in the league. I know I'll be in the top 10 easily. Um, but then I started to realize, like, it's, I don't know, the more I kept stressing out about it, like, it ain't like nothing was going to really change if I kept stressing out about it. So I was like, you know what, I just need to live life. And that's what I've been doing is just living life to the max. But it's it's definitely, it can be aggravating. Like I said, I, like, anytime I see, I don't watch any football at my house. I, I just, I stay away from it. Unless it's on at a bar or at a restaurant. If I see it on TV, I'm watch it a little bit just because that's what I've done. But um, I don't know. It, it can be aggravating. I have my days. I have my moments. Not days, but my moments. Yeah. Because I, yeah. because I know I'm way. bigger. I know I'm way. We're way bigger than just football, you know. So I, it's so many other things I'm doing that I'm enjoying. Uh, talking to my family, friends, uh, creating jewelry, creating music. Like I got other stuff I can do that, and that occupy me. But like, I'm really enjoying
3: but you still got that that relationship with the game and that like do you still do you still wanna play in the NFL and and how do you balance like how do you balance you know finding joy in other things and not being consumed with football but still wanting to play in the NFL it's almost like you know you're a punter who's got one foot in and one foot out is that fair or is that is that an overstatement
4: i <laughs> mean I don't, I don't really know because kicking ain't hard. Like it's one of those things where I already got the talent to do it. And I got the yeah. God given talent. That just Like, like I said in the interview with uh, Ryan Clark and him, I basically said like, um, no matter what, like, because even when I played this year, I still kind of felt emotionally detached from the game still. But like, I don't care where I'm at in the mental state. Nobody will ever be able to outperform me in a game ever, and um, and it's just always been like I'm I'm doing things that I know a lot of other people aren't doing when it comes to training and just trying to be the best me. And I just know who I am, comfortable with myself. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just I don't know. I just deal with it, man. It just is what it is. But it's this kick is not that hard. Like I can we go kick. We practice for like what four or five hours at the facility. I'm probably kicking yeah. like. Ten punts, probably do a couple of laps around the field to stay in shape, keep my body on point, point. and then I got the okay. rest of the day to do whatever I want to do. So it's not much.
3: Have you had like a sniff? Has anybody reached out, any kind of interest whatsoever? No, nah, I,
4: I haven't had, I haven't had a sniff or nothing. And yes, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I don't get it still, but. And like even if people try to bring up my past or stuff that I've done in the past, like like I really did some stuff to endanger other people or whatnot. I mean it's 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 interesting because like I don't know, I like I still be trying to understand it, but at the same time I just try not to think about it that much because it's,
0: yeah.
3: it can just
4: be it's aggravating. But I don't know, people grow up
3: and uh, yeah. people change, things change, and I don't know. Just because because I'm like, well, what'd you do? Like, I mean, I, you know, like, first of all, there's been a there's been a handful of black punters in NFL history. I grew up watching Reggie Roby with the wristwatch. OK, and I, you know, I to, I, yeah, but me and a lot of people love watching you celebrate and and enjoy mm-hmm. punting and not just, you know, and have bring personality to punting. It's like, so how does yeah. a guy go from being second team all pro in 2016 to out of the league two years later, and you know, no interest at age thirty-four.
4: I don't know. I we still trying to figure it out. People still trying to figure it out. But like the more I try to figure it out, the more stressed out I get about it because
3: yeah,
4: it's just yeah. beyond my, my control. And then uh, I don't, I don't know. I just I see a lot of other punters get a lot of opportunities and stuff, and it's. It
3: just is what it is. I don't know what to say. Uh-huh. Like i I'm... Is it? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, All right. no I was going to say, like, is it just the position? Because because it, it's like, or is it being a black punter? Like, like, just call it what it is. Is it being a black punter? Because it's like, there's a guy, you know, at my old place, making a lot of money, <laughs> and who was quite famous for bringing personality to punting. And it's like, you know, okay, so, you know, you have interest outside of football. In 2023, it just feels like the game and society has evolved so much to where that, like, personality, that shouldn't be a knock on somebody.
4: Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I mean, the game has definitely evolved. The way that people see things is definitely different and I I just don't know. I don't know what it is now. Like, I don't know if I got to know the right people to get back in or whatnot. Like, I don't know if I need to Certain type of agent and whatnot, like it, nothing makes sense to me anymore about how it works. Really, um, yeah. You just got, you just got to wait for your turn. But yeah.
3: I and I appreciate your transparency, man, and in full transparency to our audience, like you know, you and I keep in touch, and we we yeah. had a conversation on the phone where I told you, mm-hmm. like in my own way, like I can relate, you know, because and I've talked about this, and I try not to talk about it because I don't like harping on it. And there are too many people who leave ESPN who then make a career out of talking about ESPN. And I didn't want to be one of those people. Like I didn't want to be like a jilted lover type. Like it's over. That chapter's over. I moved on. But people Mm -hmm. always ask me about it and it didn't end well, or it didn't end the way I wanted it to. So when people would ask me about it, you know, it would, it would be something of a trigger or I would have to do things to avoid being triggered, so I, a, I appreciate just your willingness to open up and talk about it, because, yeah. like you said, like the, like you're trying to get to a place where you're not uh, thinking about it, but that's how a lot of people know you as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like you made your mark in a short period of time. You know, so it's a, it's a tough balance, right? Yeah,
4: you can't run away from me. it's. Uh, football's gonna always be a part of me, and I mean that's that's how I got to the place where I got my spot now. Uh, that's how I'm able to do a lot of the things that I do now. So I'm definitely thankful for the opportunity. Like I'm not gonna sit here and, and trash talk or just trash my whole situation like it like it wasn't worth anything. Like I, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I'm not yeah. done. I, I still I still got a ways to go. going can play today 40. I don't want to play till I'm 40. I just want to get back in the league and I just want to show that I just want to finish at the top. I want to finish at the top and just. I'm not, I just let go of my own terms because I'm not going to play till I'm 40. It's no, got too much life to do. So I just kick a ball yeah. till I'm 40 years old. I can do it for about two, three more years.
3: Yeah. No, I, I know I got to a place of peace that way because I realized that no matter how it ended, everything that happened put me in a position to do everything that I'm doing now and I'm going to do in the future. You know, And, yeah. and you're, you're a, a really talented artist in your own right, but that name and that brand that you built, no doubt is is helping you yeah. within this next chapter. Um, but I love I love to go back to the beginning, man. And like you started out as a receiver in Macon, yeah. Georgia. How'd you end up punting? I was just bored, man. Just picked up the rock and just started <laughs> kicking after
4: I ran my routes and stuff. So I I just that's how it worked out. I just got good with it. The coaches asked who knew how to punt. I ended up swinging away. And I just kept hitting knuckleballs. And then they were like, hey, you got a strong leg. Maybe you can get better with it. Like, let me work with you. So Coach Pritchard, one of my coaches in high school, and Coach Ruben, they would spend time with me uh, on the weekends and during the weekdays. Just help me with it.
3: And when did you realize that this could be a career for you? You went on to uh, Fort Valley State. When did you say, wait a second, like, I might be able to go to the next level with this?
4: Maybe the year before I went to the next level. Because <laughs> I went, I mean, playing in the NFL, I don't know if that was a dream for me. I think it was, uh, I mean, I just didn't want to have a normal job. So that was my goal to not have a normal job. And if I could get a job, just kicking. Because somebody was like, man, you can just get paid a lot of money to kick a ball. And I'm like, man, shut up. Like, Stop talking trash." <laughs> and it actually happened. <laughs> hmm.
3: That's an interesting, like, mindset. You didn't want to have a normal job. Why didn't you want a regular nine-to-five?
4: Because I'm not normal. I don't feel like I deserve I don't want to be behind a in a cubicle or behind a desk or behind a computer the whole time. Like, it, I just, I don't know. That's not living to me. And I like to live.
3: You took the red pill a long time ago, I feel like. long time
4: ago. <laughs> I think I, I think when, it, when I saw the movie, I think I reached and grabbed it myself.
3: Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, like, it's, it's everything I've ever known about you is you just weren't going to be confined to a box, which is something that I, I appreciated about you. So, like, when did you become uh, this punter with personality? When did that start?
4: I've always been that since college. You can go back and ask anybody that I played college football with. They, uh, I've always had that same personality. Um, I think when I got to the Raiders that first year, you know, you got to kind of, I know you kind of got to play a role to a certain extent. Like, I can't 100% just full throttle be myself. So I kind of had to, like, just conform a little bit, be a little little more quiet, and just learn. learn as much as I could. Because at the time, Shane Leckler was there. Uh, he was considered mm-hmm. the best player at the time. So I wanted to learn as much as I could from him and uh, not get on nobody's nerves. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: how, how would you... Looking back, how would you describe that five-year run for you? I mentioned second-team All-Pro in 16, but, you know, 13 through 17 in Oakland. Like, how would you describe that experience? That was that was
4: probably one of the uh, – another fun point in my life. It was so fun. I felt so light physically, and I felt so happy to a point to where sometimes it almost felt like I was wrong for feeling – I felt like it was wrong to be that happy and that uh, – not none stressed like, I just felt free. Like, I, I could wake up, all I had to do was put work in, grind and just be the best version of myself. Do that, come out there and go to practice, show out. be the best version of yourself in practice, go to the game. I can, my bad games, I felt like, were just as good as my good games. Um, Because I put the work in to where I knew, like, even if I didn't have a bad game, I couldn't slack because I put so much work in. It's, there's no way I could mess up. And then I don't know, everything just felt perfect. I was just in my flow. And then everything just came to a screeching halt. And then I was just like, I didn't I didn't want to play football no more for that year. I should have set out, but everything was perfect until then.
3: March thirtieth, twenty eighteen. What do you remember about that day?
4: I was uh I thought I actually thought Rich McKenzie was joking when he said he was gonna let me go. Um uh I got I heard ears from different people. Uh I don't like to put names out, but I just heard from different people like, uh, I don't know what you did, but like this guy just doesn't like you blah And I'm like, what the hell I ever do to him? Like, I ain't never met the guy. I probably met him one time and I I think I met him. You uh, talking about John Gruden? Yeah, I think I met him. I think it, when we played the Texans in the, that playoff game, it was the week, be- the day before we played that playoff game because I think Derek Carr had an interview at the time. But uh, I don't know. But I don't know. After that, uh, I didn't believe he we was serious about it. And I'm going through the locker room like, hey, y'all, I enjoyed playing on the same team with y'all. I'm going to let go to the point where even everybody else was like, stop playing, like, Bro, be quiet. He joked too much, and then I didn't believe it until I was sitting at the house and I saw my name scroll across the bottom of that ESPN marquee sign. I was like, "Oh damn, this really happened. I really got let go." And then I was just like, "I don't know." I was still kind of like in that place mentally where I was just up so high, and then I just slowly started going down, like just I don't know, just started, slowly started going downhill mentally because it was just. I'm just trying to understand everything because I thought I was going to be on the Raiders for my whole career because yeah. I had a monster where there's no way nobody can outpunt, outperform me in the punting game. Like, I'm a, I'm going a to be the best version of me in this punting game until I just quit. And um, I don't know. That, all those plans just got out the window.
3: What explanation did you get? What did, what did Reggie McKenzie tell you? So you, you never met John Gruden. What did Reggie McKenzie tell you about why they were letting you go?
4: Yeah, one day. I don't know. That's another topic, one day.
3: One day? One day. Saving that for the book?
4: I don't even like reading books. Maybe if it's a big-ass book where I can put pictures in it and then put it there,
3: maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I would say what... What did you tell yourself, in terms of why that why it ended that way? Or what or what conclusions have you drawn about why it had to end that way?
4: I I don't know. Some people like you, some people don't, and I had to I had to realize that um, even people that you've never done anything to will uh, some people. If you live a life a certain way that people aren't used to living, and and people aren't happy with what they got going on, if they see you having too much fun or whatnot, or doing this or doing that. And they, um, I don't know, people can create some sort of hatred towards you, I feel like. And I yeah. feel like that's, I don't know, I was just being myself, unapologetic, unapologetically. And I, that's just what it was. But I don't, I just, he obviously didn't like me. I don't know what it was, what it was about. Yeah. I never met him before, like, to sit down and talk to him. Because I guarantee you, if he would have met me and sat in the same room with me, he would have loved me to death. Yeah. So,
3: I don't know. This is an anti. This is an anti-unapologetic question. Mm-hmm. But I again, just seeing a lot of my experience in yours and, and drawing some similarities. I, I hope that's not unfair to do. Um yeah. I um. I know I often would think like, well, could I have done something different? You know. You know. Is it? Should I have any regrets? Did I? Was it, was it something I did or said or didn't realize? Like when you look back is there anything do you think you could have would have or should have done differently would you change anything about how you how you conducted yourself I wouldn't change shit put that on a t-shirt dog (laughs) I'm not I'm not gonna change
4: nothing I ain't gonna change nothing man I'm I'm myself I love who I am I'm proud of who I am and even when I went through that little period where uh, I wasn't playing and I was kind of depressed for a while like once I got out of that little the little slump of depression, I was like, bro, I really love who I am. I love what I've, I've created in my life so far. And I got a lot more bigger things to do. But I'm not finna, I don't regret nothing I did. I had so much fun. And uh,
0: I mean, I'm just me.
3: When were you depressed? Like now, you, now you landed with Denver after you after the Raiders let you go.
4: It was over there.
3: It was, once I got let go from the
4: Raiders, once I signed, when I got brought into the Broncos, um, it was Vance Joseph at the time. They wanted me to come over there and I talked to him, I talked to Elway, and uh, everything was everything sounded good. Um, they wanted me to come over there and do the same thing that I did with Oakland. And once I start going to practice and stuff, the Tom McMahon started changing my whole kicking mechanics. And it was just something I've never done in my career. And I'm like, God, like, I don't know. They they kept trying to convince me to continue doing that style of kicking. And um, I don't know, the more I kept doing it, I wasn't producing like I normally did when I was with the Raiders because I was doing something that wasn't natural. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um it would, it would be, I would get really embarrassed when teammates would be like, God damn, like, you good, mm. man? Because I'm, I'm like, I know they I know they know who I am. Like, come on now. So, like, I don't know, the more mm. I would kick and the more I would see them disappointed, I'm like, man, screw this. I don't want to play football. Like, I I should have just left. I should have just left and just sat out for a year because I was just so messed up. Like, the whole mm. rate of situation had me messed up mentally. And it just, it, I mean, I was just messed up because it hurt. My feelings were hurt. But, um, yeah, once I got hurt, that was probably one of the other happiest days of my life when I got hurt in that Kansas City Chiefs game, the fourth game with the Broncos. I was like, the only thought that I could think about was I'm finna go to the beach, go on to Manhattan Beach, mm. just hang out there for a mm. week, two weeks, and just get away from all this. So,
3: yeah. That's that's illuminating, man, because, you know, like in Denver, you know, you had the I guess you call it the little run in with the local media, the dust up with the media or whatever, and like you said, like I'm all good. that it feels like all of that was just a part of just the place where you were at that time. Is that I mean, I that was really
4: unnecessary to do that was I ain't even trying to get in cause what do I look like trying to get into it with somebody like that? Like Yeah. I mean obviously I'm a professional athlete, little reporter talking. He was so disrespectful. He was so disrespectful.
3: Gotcha. It, it was,
4: it was um, I heard some interview where he just, he was just really disrespectful. And I was just asking, like, what did I ever do to you? Like, do we got an issue? And he was like, nah, all right, cool. Or just keep my name out your mouth. Like, I ain't never did nothing to you. But, like, just yeah. don't talk about it. And then yeah. it just looked worse, especially it was a... I got in the middle. He was like, "All right, you said what you said." And I'm like, "Bro, why did you stand in front of me? Like, we were already like ten yards away from each other talking." But I'm like, "Why did you stand right in front of me like that?" Like, and uh. I knew somebody probably snipped the picture, and now it looks like I'm really going after somebody. Yeah.
3: Like, it just
4: I don't know. All that stuff just added up, and it was so it was so stupid. But
3: and that was my point. Like, there's just so much more to the story. Like even that situation, but just like your kicking mechanics being changed where you were mentally and emotionally. It's like people just don't know what's yeah. going on, you know, yeah. but we just see like the re- the results or what have you. So like how long did this, this depression last? after, after, after <laughs> you got hurt and your season was done with Denver and you hit the beach, how long did that depression last?
4: Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was lasted for a while. I think it started hitting me like, it hit me, like, right when I got let go from the Raiders because I just, I don't know, I just, I wanted to be there for my whole career. and uh, But I I was just in a place where I didn't understand the business. So, I mean, maybe it kind of handicapped me a little bit mentally of trying to think outside of the box when it comes to business with the game because that's the first team I started out with and I was there for a long time. But uh, that lasted, man. For 2018, I ended up going to the XFL with the BattleHawks. In 2020, I was still kind of mm-hmm. there, but kind of out of it. And, and mm-hmm. Coach Hayes, the head coach at the time, he's the offensive coordinator for us for the Renegades. But that dude, he—he uh, was—he's one of my favorite humans, one of my favorite coaches of all time. Um, really good guy, and he was just standing on my back because he could even—he uh, could tell that i was still aggravated with my whole situation with football, and I just. I was just approaching it with this screwed-up mindset, still like, whatever. But I was still doing it because I could do it. And um, we had a long talk when the COVID thing happened. We had a long talk. We got to connect. And I was like, man, I'm actually really thankful I got a chance to play for you because you helped me find. You helped me start seeing light in this uh, football world again. Because I didn't see light. Like I was just, it, I was just so messed up mentally
3: from it. What was the turning point for you?
4: Uh, what was the turning point? I think at, at the plan in 2020 XFL uh, meeting, Coach Hayes, he helped me. He helped me out with a lot of that, um, giving me another t- opportunity to play football. And Trey Brown, he was part of that crew too. Um, then my cousin, like I think 2020 was when I started. Everything started turning back for me. Like everything started getting good with me, and um, just being able to vent to my cousin every once in a while about how I really feel vent, get off my chest, go live life, and then sometimes that feeling to come back, I'll call my cousin again. Man, this BS dog. It's so BS. <laughs> like, you know how it is, like
3: Yeah man. I just kept
4: forth from it. So but it just got to a point where I just caught a high wave and just kept selling that thing.
3: Yeah. How did you uh what did you think when John Gruden's emails came out? <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't know,
4: it was, I don't know. I was just, I don't know, I wasn't shocked. But at the same time, we all got our own journeys in life where we learn things and go through things. And that's why you can't really, I kind of got to a point where I realized you can't really talk too much trash about somebody else's situation because I mean, things come around, things happen, people go through stuff. You just gotta focus on your journey because if you start thinking about what everybody else got going on, you're gonna drive yourself crazy. But at mm. the same time, it was wild when I heard about it.
3: But I'm not surprised. Did a, did a lot of things make sense?
4: I felt like they did.
3: Yeah. There I is. mean, but
4: it is. Like I said, it is what it is. Like you could people gonna hate you. You can do all the things right in the world, people still gonna. I feel like a lot
3: of that's from insecurity from within themselves, you know? What is it? uh, You were the only black punter in the NFL during your day, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, As I mentioned, yeah, as I mentioned, you're one of a handful throughout NFL history. Like, how would you describe the, the experience of being a black specialist, but a black punter in particular in the NFL?
4: I mean, it felt good, man. I was a little nervous about it coming out of college going into that because I knew I would be, and I knew it's not a lot of black punters out there. But I also had a lot of um, uh, Greg Coleman was a huge mentor for me. He was the first black punter in the history of the game. And by the way, they keep uh, talking about giving all these other punters and kickers uh Hall of Fame jackets. They need to give him one because he had to put up with a lot of BS when he was playing, especially to get this for me to be in the situation I'm in. So...
3: Imagine um, what he did. Yeah, what he had to deal with. Yeah,
4: it had to be ten times worse. And um, yeah, man, I had him stay in my ear. If he felt like I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do, or if he felt like I, I I was doing something I needed to change up a little bit, I take it to the I take it to the head and I just correct whatever I need to correct. But um, it was I felt good about it, man. Coming from an HBCU, coming out with the sauce that I had, like I was just <laughs> authentically me, man. And it felt good. It it felt good.
3: And it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Like, why do you think black punters are still so rare? Man,
4: because they, a lot of coaches see, uh, I feel like a lot of African-American athletes is just athletes. Like, they should play a position. Uh, They should be running backs, receivers, cornerbacks, safeties, like, but you also don't catch a lot of them doing that because it, it's just not normal. But I'm starting to see a lot more uh, different kickers of different ethnicities now. Like I'm starting to see it now more than I've ever seen it before. Um, mm-hmm. So they're definitely coming out. They're definitely coming out. I've seen some good kickers too, but they just they just need an opportunity. Like I said, I don't know if you got to know the right people or whatnot. Like, right. I don't. <laughs> A lot of them come up to me. They're like, "Man, I'm trying to get to the NFL like you. Like, what do I got to do?" I'm like, "Cause I don't know." Like,
3: and I'm still one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? You all know you're still what?
4: I don't know, and I'm still one of the best to do it.
3: I'm saying,
4: are, are, are in your average still top five? I don't know where it's at now because I don't know. It's probably in the top. It's, it's up probably there. Still in the top. It's up there. It's up there. Punners are getting better. Everybody gets better and better. That's why, like. When they always had his Kobe and LeBron debate, it'd be so funny because like the game is way different now than it was then. Like right? mm-hmm. it's a way different game.
3: Okay. Kobe LeBron. <laughs> Since you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't,
4: I don't know. It's hard to compare. Like, what what are we are we talking about the rules from back in the nineties and stuff? Or are we talking about now?
3: Just just your preference like I, I honestly, I think it's i I was a uh, side okay sidebar for a second a little side note tangent um at a, at a certain point, I said LeBron and Michael Jordan to me is Prince and Stevie Wonder there's like yeah. ain't no wrong answer it's just like who you prefer
4: yeah.
3: I happen to be a uh, Jordan guy, I happen to be a prince guy, so <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but that don't mean I don't love Stevie, you know what I mean I, yeah. I mean I don't love Lebron or Kobe for that matter you know. Who plays,
4: all right, so this is the question. Who plays better defense between LeBron and uh, Jordan? Jordan. Jordan plays better defense? Because the only thing I remember about Jordan is Space Jam, so, like,
3: Come on, um, That's right. I do have a I do have a decade on you. I know Jordan. Jordan was the best defender in the league. Or I mean, well, somebody say he might not have been the best defender on his own team. Might have been Scottie Pippen. But Jordan was Defensive Player of the Year. You know what I mean? Like LeBron is not a great and versatile defender. But Jordan was like leading the league in steals and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he won MVP oh. and Defensive Player of the Year the same season. I want to say like him, Hakeem Olajuwon Kawhi. No, I don't know if Kawhi Leonard did it because he never been MVP. The point is like. He's, he's in rare air when it
0: comes to uh, defensive, uh, the defensive side of the ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.
1: Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
3: Ba-da ba ba ba. But you but you call yourself a unicorn. What does that mean? Yeah.
4: A unicorn is just rare. Uh very rare. Defined. You don't they're magical they're magical creatures that you a lot of people don't get a chance to see. And I feel like I'm that person. I have that personality, um, and I feel like I'm unique. I've done a lot of cool things in my life, and I'm gonna continue to do it. And uh, it, I'm not gonna say that I'm the only one. It's a couple of amazing people that I've met that I consider unicorns. You know what I'm saying? Like, and unicorns to me are like people that that aren't scared to be themselves in a in a society where you kind of get uh, you get frowned upon for doing different. And uh, yeah, I got I got some, a couple of people that I consider unicorns that are just different and um, awesome people. Got my friend Phyllis and one of the people I met. Um, shout out to her, she's super cool. Jan Welter. Uh, oh yeah. She's a, she, yeah, she was a coach with the with the Vegas team in XFL this year, but she's one of the coolest humans I've ever met, and I consider her a unicorn too. Um, she's the, she does some cool things. She makes an impact in the world by being
3: authentically herself and Mm -hmm. yeah um by the way you are tied for seventh all time in yards per punt i'm told so right Mm -hmm. right up there uh what was your jersey what was your jersey number
4: uh in the nfl seven but i'm gonna get zero i'm gonna get zero if i come back gotta get
3: zero yeah yeah Seventh all time, seven, kind of fitting. But you get why zero? Zero is your XFL number. Why zero?
4: Zero, just because, like, I don't know. It's it's a it's, it would be a fresh start if, if I could get zero. I get zero. I feel like seven. I already I already did what I had to do with seven. I mm-hmm. already that's a that's a different It's a new chapter now.
3: I like it. You uh, you said that the obstacles, everything that you went through. Uh, along the way that it that it that tore you apart. How did you put yourself back together?
4: Um, I had to, it took days and days. I would talk to my cousin, uh, Greg. I would talk to him so many times throughout the day. I think I called him probably like four or five times out of the day. Um, and I would just rant. Sometimes we would just sit on the phone for hours and just, we didn't even got to say nothing. We just on the phone, just look at these social media and just start talking. But um man, just chatting with him, venting. And uh sometimes I do random things like go get a nice bottle of wine, hike up the little mountains over here and just chill, listen to music and even get into music more. Uh yeah. And um, yeah, like I was that's where I was at with it. But that's how I got over it, just just venting and just doing things to love myself a little bit more, you know. Going like solo dates, chill by myself, and just go people watch, so yeah. stuff like
3: that. Hey man, um, one or two shots, sweet tea. I'm like, okay, like I mean, I was <laughs> like, you got it, like you got it, man. Like I mean, it's like and I'm, not to blow smoke and not to be mm-hmm. patronizing or anything like that, but it's just like, yo, like it's like you know, some dudes be like, oh yeah, I do music. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But like, no, like you do music. Like it's like, like you, you know, so like what what's what's the reception been? Like, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Like, like where are you in your journey as an artist right now?
4: I'm in a really good place. Um, uh, I just teamed up with some awesome people. Um to so I got the sweet team music video dropping in on the 30th. Um is I'm in a really good place with that. I'm performing. I'm doing more shows now. I'm getting set up to do more shows. I've even uh, got uh, 7-Eleven even reached out to uh, potentially do some cool stuff together in the future. Um, but that, I'm having so much fun with that. And like I said, the best feeling when a fan comes up to me, especially at the uh, while playing in the XFL, they'll run up to me and they'd be like, hey, I listened to your song, so-and-so, or Country California Girl, so-and-so. And I'm like... That's tight. I'm finally because I've always wanted to be seen as an artist as well, you know, and yeah, I mean it's it's in a really good place right now, so I'm excited about yeah. that.
3: Did um, has that type of uh, let's call it success? Um, mm-hmm. Has it even even though the door is open for you for the NFL, mm-hmm. have you found closure? If that makes sense. Uh
4: as much as I attempt to not think about it, I think I'm I'm in a place where it is what it is. But honestly, I just want I want somebody in the NFL to like just straight up tell me like, I because I, I hate how some teams or coaches are, they'll make it seem like you still got a chance to do something. And I feel like a lot of uh, former NFL players that retire, I wish the teams would be more straight up and honest with them. Like, no, you can't do nothing for me at this time. Like. We don't have a spot for you or, or just let me know the real reason why I'm not getting another opportunity. Um, yeah. cause you can't face it off of something I did in the past. Like, especially like just harmless fun dance, whatever it is. Uh, even, I don't know, some of the random articles about being an issue in a locker room, like, I mean, where, where did this proof come from? So like, it's just, I don't know, it's just weird. So you feel I, mean, like I, I feel still misunderstood. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm misunderstood, but I'm misunderstood from people that don't take the time to get to know who I am as a person. Those are the ones yeah. that, and and those are kind of some of the people that have an impact on how other people see people because sometimes they can they can be reporters or they can be journalists or writers, and they right. put these uh things out to make somebody look bad, when that's not really who that person is. So I feel like that
3: doesn't help do you uh do you follow like so you mentioned like you'll watch it if it's on in a bar or somewhere or in a restaurant you know but like do you keep track of some of just like the business of the game stuff like i'm thinking even particularly cuz you know your old team uh obviously the raiders you know mm-hmm. their star running back is it hasn't hasn't been taken care of long term there's a lot of stuff with running backs nowadays yeah. You know, just but just the business of the league in general. I I just wonder if if you, you know, this time away, you look at it and from the outside looking in, and you got a different kind of clarity.
4: Yeah, I mean, I got some mutual friends that know Jacobs and stuff, so um, they keep me updated with that, but also I feel like the algorithms on social media know who I am and just won't let me unsee football, so it always pops up on my feed anyway. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah,
4: um, that's a it's a little wild to me because I feel like running backs do set the tone. Uh, if your quarterback ain't doing good and you need somebody to, to pick up for the quarterback until he can find his way back and start p- making completions, you need a running back. You need a, you yeah. need a good running back to make something happen. And um, I mean, they need to go ahead and pay that man because he, he's actually pretty good. I seen I seen some highlights. I seen some clips of him play. Like he's really good at what he does and. I mean, but at the end of the day, like, like I said, you got to focus on being the best best version of yourself, man. Like, because you, he can't control what's going on. He can't control how they see him and everything. The only thing he can do is just be the best him. So keep grinding, keep working out, keep practicing, and just stay on point until they pay you what you're worth. Because it's a small window.
3: Yeah. Um, you're pretty good at a lot of things, King. Um and you're kind of an embodiment of like the best advice I ever got it was specific to television um mm-hmm. but I think it's applicable in life S- single best piece of advice I ever got in terms of being on camera was just get better mm-hmm. at being yourself just get better at being yourself and that's yeah. that's that's life just be the best version of you get better at being yourself and it feels like that's the journey you're still on it's just Continue to be the best version of yourself, man. And I I wish you well on that that journey, brother. Thank you. Appreciate your time. I appreciate
4: you. You too.